Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Voices of E-Learning. I'm your host as always, J.W. Marshall with MarketScale, and we are so glad that you found us today. Our guest on this episode is Laura Neville, Chief Product Officer for EverFi. Laura, how are you doing? I'm great, J.W. Thanks so much for having me join you today. Absolutely, and we're really looking forward to this conversation. Before we dive into my questions, if you could give our audience just a little bit of background on yourself, on EverFi and your role as the Chief Product Officer. Sure, um, JW. So I've been with EverFi. Um, we are one of the leading educational technology companies in, in the United States. And uh, you may have seen some of the coverage lately. We're really focused on addressing the missing learning layer um, for students across the country and provide teachers with access to information that they may not be experts on. Um, I've been with the company as Chief Product Officer for the last eight years, so I've had the pleasure of helping to um, build out this, this critical curriculum that, um, that addresses uh, this missing learning layer, so I'm excited to be able to share a little bit more about how we do what we do. Perfect, and before we get into how you do what you do, uh, give us kind of the state of play right now in the market. What's changed? Uh, hopefully these conversations will revolve less around the pandemic uh, moving forward, but one last time, uh, you know, kind of where, where were you? What were you seeing before? And how have things changed during the pandemic? And what are you most excited about kind of coming out, hopefully, of this pandemic soon? Sure. Well, JW, it's really hard to um, to avoid the pandemic, although I'm hopeful that every day uh, we get a step closer to getting things back to normal, getting people back into the office, getting kids back in school. Um, but, you know, the reality is when when things um, closed last year and in, in March of 2020, uh, we were well positioned uh, because the, the work that we do is to design really engaging, interesting digital curriculum that can be accessed anywhere. So when everything moved out of the classroom and online, um, we were there and were able to quickly pivot and, and enable families to access um, the content that we had developed. So it's been, um, it was fortuitous for us. Uh, but also, you know, super, super scary for, I think, everybody as we were learning to navigate these uncharted waters. Um, so, you know, I'm hopeful uh, that as we move back to, to the new norm, uh, that our, our digital curriculum and what we've learned this year um, continues to evolve and that, we're con that we continue to innovate and, and, um, and utilize the learnings that, that we saw um, throughout 2020. That's a great lead into my next question. A lot of educators are calling this the next normal, um, right? It's going to be um, better than things were pre-pandemic, hopefully. What are some of the things you have learned, maybe positive and negative, through this uh, kind of trial by fire innovative time um, that uh, maybe you learned, okay, this doesn't work, like Zooming eight hours a day is not a good idea. Um, and then what are the, some of the things that maybe we wouldn't have learned for another three to five years, have we not been kind of in the pressure cooker here? Right. Um, 
I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll be able to address both of those, the two part question here. Um, what has been really interesting is that, uh, and what we spend a lot of time thinking about is you've really got to meet the learner where they are. Um, but more importantly, you've got to be quick about what you're trying to teach. And you need to design super interesting experiences that learners can um, identify with, that they can see themselves in, that answer that just in time question that they're trying to um, find information about. Um, what's been interesting for us over the last year is, is specifically in the K-12 space, we would create pretty big um, curriculum packages that would be deployed over the course of a semester or an academic year um, in 20 minute chunks. Uh, what we have spent a lot of time um, focused on really of late into the course of 2020 is making those experiences shorter and more relevant so that um, you know we were taking new, into account Zoom fatigue. The last thing we want kids doing is, is, is saying, oh, I really don't wanna sit in front of a screen another minute, but instead saying, you know what, I'm psyched. I really do wanna engage in this content because it's interesting, it's fun. And hey, the side benefit is I'm really learning something that I can leverage um, later on. Yeah, and, and people often say that the students today don't have the attention span. And I think sometimes it's a misconception because if they're playing a video game they like, if they're watching Netflix and binge watching an entire season of a show, that's gonna be more than five, 10, 20 minutes. Um, and so I'm sure you're seeing the same thing when you build the, the learning in an engaging way and you micro learning modules, five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, if real success, I believe, is when students want to binge on that content the same way they would uh, a video game or Netflix. Um, have you seen that actually happening and is that encouraging for the future? We do see that happening. In fact, um, we do a lot of user testing where throughout the development process, we will take um, whether it be early design sketches and wireframes and get them in front of students and get their real world reactions. And, you know, it's really, it's been a really fun, it's a fun part of our process because things that we assume might really resonate um, because many of my team members have kids of their own. They're living and breathing this Zoom fatigue that is so, um, so prevalent right now that you know, students, they're gonna tell us exactly what they like or don't like and what's gonna engage them. And so we take that feedback right into account um, and have seen you know, the usage. We get great positive feedback from students as they're moving through our, our material, material. And it's not, it's not like the next Fortnite um, or um, trying to think the latest one that's going around Minecraft. Um, it's, that's, that's not what we're we're trying to design, but what we're trying to design is experiences that are similar, that will really resonate with those students um, and that age group that we're trying to, to develop the content for. And I'm sure as you're developing that content, um, at times the, there need to be adaptations or, or changes. And I know you guys really believe in, in making those quickly, as really looking at the data and seeing what is uh, what we think uh, is, is going to be good and we know from experience and what's actually happening and how to make those pivots and changes. I think that's a new way of thinking for a lot of um, companies and, and talk about how you guys have embraced that and how you actually deliver on that. 
Sure. Um, we we are constantly uh, collecting feedback from our user groups, um, whether it's surveys or actually just having conversations as we're going through user testing. Um, so we'll take that data and that feedback. We'll take a look at the experience. We'll take a look at the actual usage data um, that we can see on the back end. Um, we can see when students progress through and we can also see when they fall off and they fall dead. And that signals usually um, that there is an issue either with the lack of interactivity potentially, or maybe there's a point of confusion. Um, so my team will then dig in and figure out if there are subtle tweaks that we can make to the content, or if there's a way for us to visually delight the user um, with a subtle design change, or um, if we wanna just scrap something completely and build in brand new interactivity and see if that will work. So um, we don't just build once and release to the market. We're constantly, updating and upgrading and as we're able to innovate we'll do that and i love that because um, curriculum trainings they're no longer one and done right they're living breathing courses um, maybe not tweaked on a daily or weekly basis but uh, more than once a year or some you know have courses that have been years old with no updates and that's really not a best practice um, Talk to us a little bit about the different um, grade levels uh, that you support, um, as well as other markets besides uh, K through 12. Sure, sure. Um, we we have an offering. We've got um, several topic areas that we have a pretty deep offering in that spans what we call K through gray. Um, so in the K-12 space, we have um, wonderful curriculum that focuses on financial literacy and really, you know, speaking to that missing layer of education, financial literacy and education is just so critical. Um, and starting that, that um, learning early, you can't start you can't start early enough. Um, as, as you know, when you've got young kids at home, they are asked to bring in quarters and nickels and pennies and start the education at that point. Um, so our financial literacy um, curriculum really does truly go K through gray. Um, and then we do spend a ton of time. Um, we've got a, a, a very robust offering in the social emotional learning space um, and, and also are starting to expand on the mental wellness side of that as well, because again, going back to what we've learned over the last year with Zoom fatigue and, and students being stuck at home and um, having to navigate this new normal, mental wellness is a really, really important thing that teachers are struggling with um, and that students are struggling with. So we've spent a, a lot of time this year digging in on the mental wellness space as well. As far as other markets, you know, it's not just students, it's adults, it's you and me, it's um, our viewers. It's, um, you know, we're exhausted. We have Zoom fatigue. Um, so when you know when we design content for the adult consumer, um, we make sure that it's super, super. Um, we call it snackable content. So it's bite-sized. It's answering the question just in time that an adult consumer may be looking for information on. Um, so we spend a lot of time really, especially in the, in the compliance space, because we do have quite a bit of content that we've developed for um, corporate compliance customers as well. Um, not the most interesting content. So there we do have to really um, focus on uh, interactivity, um, 
how can we, you know, utilize scenarios, scenario-based training to really bring it to life. It's not just, you know, video, people think that video is the way to go with this training. Um, video is not like people start to tune out after a few, a few seconds, if it's not something that's engaging or interesting to them. So we really do um, try to use a blend um, and get that into a nice, small, tight, snackable content package that can be easily consumed. I have so many questions based on all of those things you just said. We'll work our way backwards maybe um, on the adult learning and the snackable content. Um, how do you balance that with uh, traditionally a lot of the compliance-based courses have been too long, too slow, too boring, but they've had time requirements. You need to do 30 hours of OSHA training or two hours of sexual harassment training. Um, and it feels like in the past, it's just content for content's sake to fill a time gap. Um, do you have those constraints or do you just try to pack so much engagement and interactivity into a time constraint that makes it engaging for a learner? Now, we do have those time constraints. There are certain topics, for example, um, harassment and discrimination prevention that have minimum required seat time um, in certain states across the US. So we spend a lot of time thinking about how can we create an engaging uh, experience that ensures that our learners are actually retaining the information um, and that they're also hitting that seat time requirement that they need to, to um, to fulfill. Um, and so what we'll do is anytime we look at um, a topic or um, content that is um, has legislative and compliance um, ties to it, we will look at um, what is the content that we absolutely need to make sure is there and how can we ensure that that's engaging content. And back to the, the note that I made earlier, we do a lot of scenario-based training. So um, we wanna make sure that that um, the users are actually can kind of see themselves in the content, can see themselves or maybe not themselves, but the scenarios will resonate with them. So that um, if they have either been um, party to a scenario or you know they come across it in the future, they will feel equipped to um, take action and to be an active participant. Um, so it it's a combination. There's not an exact science, but uh, we do a combination of on-screen text. We have interactivity throughout our experiences. We do have some video, um, some live action video, some um, motion graphic video that we've woven throughout. And then, um, and then we have kind of dig deeper areas where if you wanna learn more, you can, and um, you certainly are encouraged to do so if you, haven't, if you haven't hit that time limit. I love that. And I love that you said active uh, participation. I think that's another key area. Video is great and high quality engaging video is even better, but it is still passive learning. And so to have an active learning component um, that'll go beyond, let's say, a learning objective um, to a, a knowledge sharing to a performance objective where they're role playing and they're actually engaging with the content that way is really, I think, key uh, for learners to for retention, but also for um, putting things into practice right afterwards and applying what they're learning versus more old school compliance of just passing the test at the bare minimum and never thinking about it again. It really is a paradigm shift that's pretty exciting moving into the future. 
Right. I mean, we've all sat through the click, 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 and just trying to get through that compliance training. We really want, we don't want it to just be um, compliance training for the sake of compliance training. We want it to be um, prevention training. We want people to understand what they need to do in order to, you know, take action should they come across any of the situations or scenarios. So um, ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is that um, our users are not just learning something, but they're actually, they feel equipped. They feel equipped that they can go take action. I love it. They're having impact, which is really important. Um, now, hard turn back to SEO um, and just mental awareness in general. We've talked a lot about on our show and had some, some SEO focused companies in K-12. And I get the sense that uh, mental health is not just for that diagnosed 20% historically of students that um, had documented mental health, um, you know, challenges, but really it's expanded to every student and not just every student, but every educator. Um, are you seeing that same expansion into mental health awareness and mental health um, uh, curriculum that schools and districts are really taking um, very seriously and being proactive with now? Yeah, so we actually, um, the short answer is yes, we are seeing that. Um, we we have um, an extensive network of teachers that we work with on a regular basis, and we actually go out to them on an annual basis and survey them. Um, mental wellness tools and information uh, around what mental wellness and how they can support their students um, is, it comes back in the top three requested areas, if not the top on a consistent basis. Um, so it is, it's very, very important, especially now, especially coming off the year that we're just coming off of where um, mental mental wellness is is a huge needs to be a huge focus um, especially in with the zoom fatigue and with being you know our kids have been they've been cut off from their friends they haven't the, all the the things the playground activity those sitting in the school cafeteria and having lunch with their friends that is time when those really really important basic social emotional learning activities take place and happen and that hasn't been able to happen for our kids in the last year and so um, you know what we're seeing now is in addition to the social emotional learning and, and the increased um, focus there is is really around mental wellness and coping strategies and how do we support um, not just the students but the teachers and one another as we you know continue to move forward in, in this new normal. Absolutely. And, and now there's the kind of phrase catching on, we need to Maslow before we bloom. Uh, we need to, it's really foundational to have that mental uh, wellness before we can get the most out of the learning experiences. So it's great to see that, that that's something you guys are addressing. Um, another hard turn backwards to financial literacy. I know you guys do a lot in that space. I know last month was financial literacy month. Uh, did you guys do anything fun and exciting and um, give us some hope that things are getting better, more students are getting this training because personally I wish that was something I had more at not just the high school level but the lower levels um, and, and the college level. I think it's something that uh, a generation or two have, have kind of missed out on. Um, give us some good news on that front. 
Sure. Um, well, Financial Literacy Month, as you just mentioned, we just came out of it in April. Um, we actually, um, this was our second annual Financial Bee. We had a, a fun, we created some um, fun snackable content um, that this year, last year, we, it was focused on budgeting. This year, it was focused on savings and investing. And um, the capstone activity was an essay contest. And so students had an opportunity to um, enter uh, their essay into that contest and actually um, win some some money, some financial scholarship money, which was super fun and exciting to see. Um, as far as financial literacy, that is that is the topic. That is why EverFi was founded in the first place. Um, and our founding partners, they went um, door to door through the South um, and started to talk about the importance of financial literacy education. Gosh, um, going on 18 years ago, I'll have to double check that for you. But um, it's we have what's been really neat about um, about the work that we do is seeing the number of schools that we're active in and the number of students that actually move through our curriculum on an annual basis climb. And it's not just like this. It's like this. Um, so, you know, financial literacy is important, is so important. It is one of the missing layers of education that um, that we are so focused on on getting out there and in the hands of students across the U.S. I love that um, and it's so important um, for the younger students for the middle students what differences not just in financial literacy but in all the curriculum you're building um, do you have as you kind of move through elementary middle high school um, what are maybe some nuances as far as maybe length of video screen time interactivities um, graphics um, or are there any differences there are a lot of differences. We're very thoughtful, especially when it comes to the visual design um, and the content, how we talk about the content. So you need to really make sure that it's age appropriate. Um, and so you can see if you look at any of the curriculum that we've developed for elementary school versus middle school versus high school, you can see a difference. There's a visual difference in the way that we bring that curriculum to life, um, as well as how we how we speak, how the characters speak within the curriculum. Um, so as the as it matures, as we move from elementary school, elementary school, there's a lot of interactivity. There's gameplay. Um, so, you know, we, we designed for like 15 minutes of curriculum, but there's a lot of gameplay that's built within that. As you go into the middle school and high school, um, you know, the max, the max for a chunk of content there um, that we designed for is 15 to 20 minutes because it's really meant to be um, leveraged within, we, we like to say within a period, if it needs to be within a, a class period. Um, and so that content though, as we mature, um, the visual look and feel matures as well. So we spend a lot of time really understanding, you know, what the age demographic is interested in. You know, what TV shows are they watching? What social networks are they participating in? Um, so you'll see, for example, especially 
trying to think off the top of my head. In our social emotional learning space, um, we have uh, an elementary program called the Compassion Project, which you know is very um, very animated, very colorful. Um, it's got characters who you can, you know you can the kids can identify with, but not so much um, you know because we really are focused on teaching empathy and awareness in that course. Um, but then as you move into high school, um, we have a course that's really focused on um, on uh, uh, social emotional awareness and continuing compassion but also it's it's more um, taking into account like anti-bullying so being aware of, of really destructive behavior that may be happening around you and that visual look and feel looks more like Instagram and Snapchat so we've got filters that we've built into it. We really, you know, we're, we're really excited about how that um, has come to life and resonates. And, and so we've, in the high school courses, we have more photo realism included in it. So less, less um, uh, illustrative art and more photorealistic experiences with overlays and, and treatments, um, which again, speaks to the environments that those students are more accustomed to engaging with. And I think that is really phenomenal that you go to that level of depth um, for engagement because not everyone does that. Um, and also, just to reiterate, reiterate again, to keep the content relevant, to keep it accurate, is a 24-7 job as well, right? To continue to make sure that those courses are as students, uh, you know, what they're watching changes, as the social apps they are on changes. They notice pretty quickly if something is from two years ago or something's not um, a real uh, relevant reference anymore. So kudos to you and your team um, for continuing not only to build this engagement, but to the upkeep is not a small task. Thank you. No, it's not a small task, but it's important, right? It's important that that our learners um, feel engaged. And so um, we do we do move our content through an update schedule. We'll do small point releases if there's little tweaks that we want to make, but uh, we try to, to move them through an update and a refresh, refresh schedule every um, one and a half to two years so that we're keeping that content really fresh and relevant. That's great. All right, we're wrapping up. We've got a couple more questions. Um, I want to get this one out of the way before we get to a more fun question that we'll end on. Um, we've mentioned the, the four-letter word Zoom many times uh, today, and typically it's followed by Zoom fatigue. Um, there's been a lot of coverage on Zoom fatigue. What data um, have you collected or, or can you reference around how real this uh, thing is? And again, what um, EverFi is doing to combat it? Um, you know, the data is shifting and changing on a constant basis. So it's hard to pinpoint one exact data point to, to drive to. Um, we, we just consistently see in the surveys that we've conducted with our teachers and with our users that um, Zoom fatigue is real. And, um, you know, the more we can can rely and go back to that blended learning experience, the better off it will be for our students and for our learners. And so, um, again, I, I hope that we're on the, the back end of this period of time and we're going to be a little bit back to normal um, sooner rather than later. And, and that's certainly um, what, you know, the hope that we're starting to see um, emerge as well. I love that. And I also like to say the, uh, the best online learning sometimes happens offline. And I love that you build, you know, 15, 20 minute segments to be 
contained within a class period because you know that some of that is going to be pre-work before a discussion. It's going to be, um, you know, post-work uh, after a lab in science or something. You know, there's going to be this give and take of this hybrid model moving forward. And so it's really great to see you're realistic in the way you're building to fit into a classroom and not replace it. And I think that's something teachers have really embraced in the last year is uh, this misconception that technology, that curriculum like this, that's digital is trying to take their jobs. And it's really there to enhance the student experience first and foremost, but also the teacher experience and make their job easier to give them more time to spend one-on-one -on -one or in small groups uh, working you know, through the, the curriculum that this is most relevant to the student just in time as well. That's exactly right. You know, ultimately we want to make our teachers' jobs e a little bit easier if we can. Um, they've got the hardest jobs out there, and so if we can save them some time and make make it easier for them to do what they truly love to do, which is engage um, with the students and influence them and help them learn and grow and be successful in life, then um, you know that's then we're doing our job and we're doing it well. Perfect. All right. That's led us a great uh, intro into the last question, segue into the last question. Um, as my audience knows, we always like to end with a half glass full uh, story. So I know most of our, my guests say, man, there's so many to choose from. Uh, but what would be a great story, either from last year or even from this year, of uh, success, um, the impact that EverFi has had uh, partnering with a school or district? Um, I will, you know, there are a lot of great stories, so it is hard to pinpoint just one. But what I would what I would share is that um, what I love the most about what we do is actually when the verbatims come in from our students um, from from a particular school saying, you know, hey, you know, thank you so much for creating this. I could actually see myself in it. I could. I learned a lot from it. Um, specifically in the financial literacy space, we've had students that have gone home and taught their parents what they've learned um, and have actually, you know, been able to find great success. So um, for us, it is, that's what's so rewarding. You know, we don't cover really easy topics. We, we cover meaty, challenging topics. And when we hear directly from the con consumers of that content that, um, that it's actually been super helpful for them and that has um, impacted their life in a positive way, then that is, that's where you know, the goosebumps come in and, and we, our buckets are full. That's a perfect ending. And at Market Scale, we, we couldn't agree more. It's building media, building content that is remarkable, which literally means people remark. They share it with others. They, you know, take something away from it that they're not going to forget. And so that is a shared vision that, that we have is making that just really remarkable content. And again, kudos to you and your team for doing that on a consistent basis. It's really phenomenal. Thank you so much uh, for your time today and for joining us for this conversation. Absolutely, JW. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and a lot of fun to talk about EverFi. Excellent. And again, Laura Neville, Chief Product Officer at EverFi. To my audience, thank you as usual for joining us for this episode. Be sure to check out the website to check out uh, past episodes. And we'll look forward to seeing you again later this week for our next episode. Thank you again and always, always keep learning.